We try to keep Bibles in front of you there where you can follow along. I encourage you to follow along. I'm going to show you some important things out of the Word of God and uh, some important things to believe, even though we don't completely understand them. Uh, and I encourage you to follow along. Don't take my word for it. You got the Bible in front of you. You need to read it for yourself and believe it for yourself. I encourage you to follow along. First Corinthians chapter four. First, First Corinthians chapter four. We're going to be there at verse one. First Corinthians chapter four, verse one. As we're finding our place there, I appreciate y'all being here. I appreciate y'all being faithful. To the Lord, to the church, y'all keep on uh, handing out gospel tracts and invite people to church. Uh, get the good news of Jesus Christ out. I really believe we're living in the end times and there's nobody else doing it. It's up to us. The Lord's given us that responsibility. He's given us that job to get the good news out, to get the gospel out. And man, it is good news. Man, we're not spreading something that's a buy one, get one free kind of thing. Amen? I mean, come on, guys. You, you know, you buy one thing, get it for a penny or whatever. You know, that's all ripped. That's, not how, the, that's how the world works. That's not how God works. This is by grace. This is a free gift. It's given to you already. He's paid the price on the cross. It's a free gift. All you got to do is receive it. And man, if you do like me, I was into the occult and into other, uh, looking into other things before I got saved. You're going to find out that Jesus Christ is the best thing going. And that's what, uh, you know, we're coming up on Easter. Easter's coming up, the Passover. That's what Jesus Christ is all about. Muhammad is dead. Buddha is dead. Jesus Christ is alive forevermore. When I talk about Jesus Christ, I'm talking about a risen Savior who can walk through those back doors. When you bow your head and you pray to Jesus Christ and ask Him to save you, He hears your prayer because He's alive. If you pray to Muhammad or to Buddha, whoever else you're praying to, you're praying to a dead man. That's what makes Jesus Christ unique. That's what makes Him different. That's what separates Him out. That's why Jesus Christ can stand and say, Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. That's the words of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I encourage you to go to Jesus Christ and ask Him to save you if you don't know Him already. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just pray, Lord, as we look at this scripture, Lord God, help us to understand these mysteries, Lord. We're not going to be able to understand everything about them, Lord, but help us to believe them, Lord, and help us to see the clues you've given us about them, Lord God, as we go through your scripture, Lord. And I thank you for these people that love you and have come out this morning, Lord. In Jesus Christ, holy name I pray, amen. So what we got going on here, Paul's saying we're stewards. Look at the end of verse 1. We're stewards of the mysteries of God. So there's mysteries of God, and I'm about to show you there's seven of them. And these mysteries of God, he said, we're stewards of those mysteries. A steward is somebody who's in charge of holding something that's valuable. He's in charge of holding something that's valuable. These mysteries of God are very valuable. And as I show these to you this morning, as we go through these seven mysteries, and I show these to you, you go, I'll try to point out why they're very valuable to understand. You don't have to understand how they work that's why they're called a mystery and I'll try to give you some clues to help you understand them but you need to believe them they're mysteries of God and verse 2 moreover it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful because if you're holding something valuable you need to be it belong, that valuable that something that we're holding as a steward it belongs to somebody else and that mystery belongs to God so as stewards of the mysteries 
We are stewards and we're required to be faithful, so we need to be faithful. So every uh, couple of years I try to preach on the seven mysteries. Sometimes I'll teach it on Sunday school. Sometimes I'll teach it on Wednesday night. I chose this year I wanted to preach it. And I'm glad I did because I've got some people in here that aren't always here. So this is a good time. Maybe you've never heard of the seven mysteries. That's important for you to know. So let's start with the very first one. Let's turn to 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3. Now we're going to be turning the Bible a lot this morning because there's seven of these. Uh, if, If you don't, if you get lost or you can't keep up, you can come to me. I can give these to you after church. Uh, I can uh, just, I'm going to read all the scripture. I always read all the scripture, so don't worry about that. If you just want to listen along, but I encourage you to follow along. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. These are very, uh, the Bible, uh, scholars say salient. Salient verses. In other words, they're important verses. These are very important verses in the New Testament. But the first, first mystery we're going to look at is the mystery of godliness. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. What that verse tells you there in verse 16, this great mystery is, the mystery of godliness is that Jesus Christ is God manifest in the flesh. When you, when you see Jesus Christ talking in the New Testament, that's God talking. Jesus Christ said, I can only say what the Father says, I'm going to do what the Father does. This is one part of the Trinity. When God, what God did is God decided to come down and to put himself in the likeness of man in Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He's God manifest in the flesh, and he's also the Son of Man. He's man He's one half man and he's half God. He's the son of God and he's the son of man. That's why only he can be the mediator between you and God. He has a God. He can reach out and touch the hand of God. He can reach down and touch your hand as a sinner. And he can put y'all two at one minute. That atonement at one minute. He can put y'all at one as the mediator between you and God. He is God was manifest in the flesh. It's called there in verse 16 the mystery, the mystery of godliness. What makes it a mystery is he's the creator of the universe, but he brought himself into his own creation. Now, meditate on that for a little bit. This is why this is crazy. Because you got Mary, who Jesus Christ created as God, and she's holding her creator in her hands. That's the mystery of godliness. God manifests in the flesh, yes. Mary is, we, we had some young ladies changing the diapers of little baby Emmett out there. And I walked back there and I'm like, at least it wasn't one of the grown men I'm walking in on that's getting their diapers changed. And we were laughing and everything. But the truth is, Mary changed Jesus' diapers. That's the, that's God. She's changing the diapers of God, the creator. I can't explain this stuff, but it, you got to believe it. It's God manifesting. It's a great mystery. Every. That's what uh, the world tries to do. The world tries to take mysteries away from you. They try to convince you they got everything figured out, and they don't. They don't have everything figured out, right? They say they got everything figured out. Science, what was it, three years ago, they were telling us everything they was telling us about that certain thing. I can't say the word, or they kicked me off YouTube and Facebook. And now today they're saying, oh, it's not that big a deal. You know, we, wouldn't, we, we, we didn't really mean what we said three years ago. 
And they try to convince you that there's no more mysteries to solve. This world is full of mysteries. This world's always going to be full of mysteries. And let me tell you why this world's full of mysteries. There's a second, there's a second realm called the spiritual realm of this world that we forget about living in the flesh. We forget that there's a, there's a realm we can't see with our naked eyes that's moving around, angels and unclean spirits and the Holy Spirit moving. We can't see it. We can see its results, but we can't physically see it. It's a mystery. God was manifest in the flesh. One of the clues to understanding this is found in John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus from the beginning was God. The Bible says in John 1, 3, it says, All things were made by Him, by Jesus Christ, and without Him, Jesus Christ, was not anything made that was made. He's a creator, yet He was brought into His own creation. John 1.10 says, He was in the world, the world was made by Him, and the world knew Him not. Jesus Christ is God walking around in the flesh. And there's little hints of that all through the New Testament. Where he was talking, and he said stuff to the Pharisees. When they talked to him, and he said, Well, before Abraham was, I am. And the Bible says they picked up stones to stone him because he was blaspheming. Do you understand what Jesus Christ just said when he said that? He said, before Abraham was, I am. Remember when Moses was on the, on the mountain in the burning bush, and Moses tells the burning bush to God, and the burning bush says, Who do I say sent me? And the, the burning bush says, You tell him that I am, that I am. Tell him, I am sent you. And Jesus Christ says, Before Abraham was, I am. What did, he, what did I just quote Jesus Christ of saying? I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Jesus Christ says, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. He is whatever you need this morning. He is the great I am. He's God manifest in the flesh. Zechariah 12.10, another clue you can find in Zechariah 12.10. It's prophesied that they're going to look upon me whom they have pierced. Of course, that's obviously a prophecy of the piercing of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And it says when he comes back, it says they'll look upon me whom they have pierced. Zechariah chapter 12. Zechariah chapter 12 is God speaking. You can't get around this stuff. Jesus Christ was God manifest in the flesh. Why is it so important to believe this and not quite? You might not completely understand it, but you need to believe it. Because this is how the cults fall off the rails. If you go to a Jehovah's Witness, you talk to a Jehovah's Witness, you're going to have a conversation with Jehovah's Witness. You, after a while, you're going like, hey, you know what? We're agreeing on this, and we're agreeing on this. Hey, I don't know why Brother Keegan keeps saying, talking so bad about the Jehovah's Witness. They're not so bad after all. And you get to talk to them, and then when you get to Jesus Christ, you say, yeah, Jesus Christ is the Son of God. God manifests in the flesh. No, he's not. They don't believe this. They don't believe this mystery. He's just, he's just a regular man. He's just a God, one of the gods. You go to the Mormons, you talk to the Mormons, and you see the Mormons, and they'll talk about Jesus, and you're like, they're talking about the same Jesus. This, what, why does Brother Keegan always make fun of the Mormons? There's nothing wrong with the Mormons, and you get to talking to them, and then what, when you get to deeper into it, and they're like, you say, well, you know, Jesus Christ was the Son of God. He was God walking around in the flesh. No, he wasn't. That's what the Mormons won't claim it. They no. This separates out the men from the boys right here. It's a mystery. 
And your Bible says right there, without contra- it's controversial, brothers and sisters. Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. I can't explain every bit of it, but it's true. It's the, he's the Son of God, but He's also the Son of Man. You see this all through the Gospels, where Jesus Christ is thirsty. God doesn't get thirsty. But he's thirsty, right? Jesus Christ says, give me some water, I'm thirsty. But then the same Jesus Christ says, come unto me and drink, you'll never thirst again. I'm the water of life, come unto me, you'll never thirst. That's the Son of God talking. That's the Son of Man dying on a cross. That's the Son of God coming up the third day. Amen. He's God manifest in the flesh. Let's move on. Colossians. Turn to the left to Colossians. Let's go to the second mystery. Boy, I could stay on that one all morning long. Colossians chapter 1. Because it's that important. Because it's important because it's our Savior Jesus Christ. It's God dying on the cross for you. You might not understand how much God loves you. God loves you enough to die for you. That's real love. And when you know that Jesus Christ is God walking around, that's God's blood on the cross shed for your sins. That's why it can cleanse you. Look at Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. Let's move on to the second mystery. Colossians chapter 1, verse chapter 1. Colossians 1, 27, verse 27. Colossians 1, 27. Let's, let's move out along. Verse 27. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery... Among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The second mystery I want to bring out this morning, the second mystery is the mystery of Christ in you. The mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you. Do you know that if you're a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ is living in you? There's the verse. He's in you. Well, here's the mystery. How is he in you and in me? And in you, and in you, and in you, and in you, and in you. How is he in you and in me at the same time? That's a great mystery. How can a sinless man like Jesus Christ come live in a body with a sinner? How can a sinless man like Jesus Christ come live in a body of a sinner? That's a great mystery. Why would he want to do that, number one? Why would he want to do that? Do you realize that Jesus Christ, when he walked on the earth, he could read everybody's thoughts? I'm sure glad I can't do that. I don't want to know what y'all are thinking right now. So shut up, man. Just shut your mouth. At least the Cowboys aren't playing. I'm not worried about y'all trying to get out of here to watch the Cowboys lose again. Like, hey, just shut up, Pastor. This is a man, Jesus Christ, God manifest in flesh. You could hear everybody's thoughts. He walked by. He knew what they were doing last night. He knew what they were doing in the dark last night. He knew what they were thinking. Last. He, he knew what they do. But he wants to, as a sinless man, want to come in and live with me? That's a mystery. But he's Christ in you, the hope of glory. The mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So one of the clues to this is that the Bible says to us is that you are the temple of God, the Holy Ghost. You're the temple of God. Let me read this to you. Know you not that you're the temple of God, that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? That the Spirit of God dwells in you? That's one of the clues that the Spirit of God dwells in you through the whole... So, 
part, this is part of that Trinity thing, mystery of the Trinity. You got God the Father, God the Son, Jesus Christ, and God the Holy Ghost, the Spirit. So if Jesus Christ is in you, He's in you because the Holy Spirit's in you, and God and the Holy Spirit and, and the Father are all three one. They're three, but they're one. And that's a whole other sermon. But that's one of the mysteries of how Christ is in you. Well, he's in you because it says in 1 Corinthians, it says that that Spirit is the Lord. The Holy Spirit is the Lord. That's one of the clues. See, the old nature says, the old man, the old nature, the Kigan, the one right here, the one you see right here, the one, I want to see it, I want to smell it, I want to touch it, I want to hear it, I want to taste it. That's the old man. What happens though when Jesus Christ starts living in you and you become a new man, you start loving things that you've never seen, that you've never heard, that you've never touched, that you never tasted, that you never smelled. And you're dreaming of things that you, none of your senses have done. That's the new man in you. That's one of the clues that Christ is in you, the hope of glory. Let's move on to the next one, Ephesians chapter 3. Turn to the left. Turn to the left, Ephesians chapter 3. The third mystery. The third mystery is I'm moving along. I'm going to go grab my water. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1. Third mystery. I'm going to try to get through seven of these. You think I can do that in 30 minutes? If you believe that, i got some property I want to sell you in Arizona. It's a beachfront. I promise, Lord willing, I'll get you out here as quick as I can. But these are important or I wouldn't be preaching on them. Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1. For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles... If ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given to me to you, word, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in few words, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge and the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery, something new, is being revealed to the church. Verse 6, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. So there's a mystery. This mystery here is the mystery of the body of Christ, which is the church. This is a great mystery. Now, you're seeing here, now turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 30. Turn a couple pages over. This is the next mystery. is a mystery of the body of Christ. The church. So this is a strange one. Because we're in Christ, and we're, Christ is in us. We just read that. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And we're in Christ, and since we're in Christ, we're in His body. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 30. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 30. For we are members of His body, of His flesh, and of His bones. Once you're saved... Not only does Christ come and live in you, you become part of the body of Christ. You're not only in His hand, you're part of His hand. That's how, that's how much He's got you. That's how much you've got Him. For we are members of His body, of His flesh, and of His bones. Paul goes on to describe, verse 31, For this cause shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. See, in God's eyes, when a marriage takes place... It's Mr. and Mrs. from that point on. They're joined together. What, one, what, what, what God has joined together, let no man pull apart, tear apart. That's what a preacher says at a, at a lot of weddings. They're, they're two, and then they're one. 
It was Adam and Eve, and then in, and then in Genesis chapter 5, it was Mr. and Mrs. Adam. They became one. And God, from that point on, looked at Adam and Eve as one as Adam. From the point that you take Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, from that point on, he looks down, you don't see Kicking Hall anymore, he sees Jesus Christ. I'm part of him. I've been married to Jesus Christ. Now, the marriage hasn't took place yet. The marriage hasn't took place. That's going to take place in heaven. But I'm his fiance. He's, he's mine, I'm his. He's my beloved, I'm his beloved. He takes care of me, I'm part of him. That's what's going on. Because look at this, verse 32. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. It is a great mystery. And it's really hard to understand. So you're telling me you're in Christ? Yeah. Well, Jesus Christ is in heaven, yeah. Christ is in heaven? Yeah, Jesus is in heaven. Well, he's in you? Yeah, he's in me. But I'm in him. But he's in heaven. Yeah, I know he's in heaven. But he's in me. You see where I'm going with this? Some of y'all know where I'm going with this. Y'all been under my teaching and preaching. These are spiritual things. This isn't things that you can touch and feel and see and hear. These are spiritual things. These, that's what makes these great mysteries. Because these are spiritual things that we, as with human eyes and human ears and human mind, we don't understand. But with God's mind and a spiritual mind, he understands all. And this stuff works this way. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Turn to 1 Corinthians 12. I'm going to show you one of these. 1 Corinthians 12. I'm going to show you to try to help you understand how this takes place. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. I know I'm turning to a lot of scripture, but it's important to get this stuff down. 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 12, 12. I want you to understand this. This is where... This is where People fall off the rails, and they get it wrong. This is why it's so important to understand these mysteries, understand the mystery of godliness, that God's manifest in the flesh, that keeps you from becoming. If a Jehovah's Witness would have been a good steward, or a Mormon would be a good steward to the mystery of godliness, he would not be a Mormon, he would not be a Jehovah's Witness. Because he would have to believe that Jesus Christ is God manifest in the flesh. And I'm about to show you something that some of y'all maybe have been raised, some of y'all might have believed, some of y'all might have been in a church where they taught you that once you get baptized, you're going into a body. What baptism is, baptism is showing what's happening spiritually in your life. Physical water baptism, when you're up in the, in the water, what the preacher's saying, what he's showing is, here's the old Kigan, I go under the water, I come up a new creature in Jesus Christ. That's what happened to me spiritually, you can't see. And what I'm doing is I'm giving a testimony to my family, to everybody there that sees it, what's happened to me spiritually, so you can see it physically. Here's the old Kigan, go under the water, I come up a new Kigan in Jesus Christ. I'm a new man. Just like Jesus Christ was buried and resurrected, I'm buried, I'm resurrected. I'm in Jesus, he's in me. All that's spiritual. Now look at 1 Corinthians 12, 12. For as the body is one, he's talking about the body of Christ. For as the body is one and hath many members... And all the members of that one body, being many, as one body, so also is Christ. We're all part of the body of Christ. Some of us are toes, some of us are elbows, some of us are armpits, I hate to say it. I'm not going to say which ones, <laughs> get myself in trouble. We're all part of the body of Christ. But, you know, in this context, Paul goes on to say in this context, you know that little toe that you don't think is important? It's not important, amen, until you stump it in the middle of the night. Pow! Oh! And when that one little toe hurts, the whole body hurts. 
So the least member of the, of the believers of Jesus Christ, when one least member of the we should all be hurting. We should all be praying. We should all be hurting. But notice what he goes on to say, verse 13. Very important verse. Very important verse. Read it with me. Verse 13 of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. There's that mystery body. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. Notice, we're all baptized. Notice water's not there. It's a spiritual baptism. In other words, it's not something you do. It's something the Holy Spirit does. So when you take Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, say, Lord, will you please save me? He saves you, and then what he does is he takes you spiritually, and he baptizes you into the body of Christ. You're baptized. Look, for by one Spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit, are we all baptized. Baptized means immersed. We're all immersed into one body. So here's the clue to the mystery of the body of Christ. Here's the great clue. It's a spiritual body. It's not something you're going to physically see. That's the clue to the spiritual, to the mystery of the body of Christ. Let's move on to the next one. I see that one's, that one's going over well. Romans 11. Turn to the left, Romans 11. I hope y'all got that. I hope you understand it. So when you're being baptized into water, that doesn't, baptizing into water doesn't cleanse your sin. Amen. Amen. Me baptizing in some dirty creek water or in some tap water doesn't cleanse your sin. That's just showing you physically what's happened to you spiritually. You should have long ago took Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Then you spiritually had your sins forgiven. Spiritually, you were baptized in the body of Christ. Spiritually, the, 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 the Lord took the blood of Jesus Christ and it applied it to you, and your sins were cleansed. cleansed. That all happened spiritually. Nobody can see it, but we know it happened inside. Amen? I know I'm saved. So what you're doing is you're showing, when you're baptizing somebody, you're showing them, hey, this baptism shows you what happened to them in the spiritual realm. That's what it's about. Romans chapter 11. Let's move on. Romans chapter 11, verse 25. Romans 11, verse 25. Here's another great mystery. This is the fourth one. For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery. Here's the mystery. Lest you should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. This is the mystery of the blindness of Israel. And this is a real great mystery because what's amazing is Jesus Christ was born as a Jew. Jesus Christ is of the tribe of David. He claims his root of the tribe of David. Jesus Christ is very Jewish as a son of man. And he claims his lineage through David through Abraham, he's very Jewish, and the Jews don't want to have anything to do with him. That's a great mystery. Except one of the Jews who are Jewish don't want to take their Jewish Messiah. Here's some Gentile dogs that we're not Jewish. We don't care about being Jewish. We don't want to be Jewish. And we're like, give me that Jewish Messiah. Amen? That's a great mystery. But what Paul says, don't be ignorant that blindness in part, because some of them do get saved, in part has happened to Israel. So God has put this blinders on Israel until the fullness of Gentiles. We're Gentiles. Until God gets all the Gentiles he wants in, and then he's going to turn and put his mind, his eye back on Israel. And then look at verse 26. And so all Israel shall be saved. As it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer, that would be Jesus, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. 
That's end times. That's Jacob's trouble. That's tribulation period. That's when God in Revelation is turned his eye back on Israel. That's, see, there's a great, this mystery has been misused. That's why when this mystery is not understood, this is what they, the church, uh, the Roman Catholic Church, some other denominations have come up with a thing. They call it replacement theology. And their, their replacement theology teaches this, that when God got done with the Jew, when the Jew says, I have no king but Caesar, that God says, I'm done with the Jew, the church is the new Israel, and, and so church takes its place, and now the church gets all the promises that were promised to Israel. The land of Israel, of Jerusalem, all that, that, that the church gets all of that. That's hogwash. We got different promises. The Jews are promised earthly kingdom, an earthly kingdom, an earthly promise. They're promised that. And God is not an Indian giver. He gave them that land. That land belongs to the Jew. So for 2,000 years, they're like, ah, oh, God's done with the Jew. God's done with the Jew. God's done with the Jew. Right up until 1948. The Jew had no land, they had no country, they were living in Germany and Polish and America and everything else, and something wild happened. Hitler came along and he said, let's kill all the Jews, and they rounded up all the Jews and killed about six million of them in the Holocaust. And God says in the, in the, in the Bible, he prophesied, I'm going to put you through the furnace. And they literally were put into furnaces and burned and killed. But what's amazing about God is, when you go through your troubles, on the other side there's something good waiting on you. And when the Jews got on the other side, they're like, we want to go home to a We don't have nowhere to go because Germany don't want us. America don't want us. Poland don't want us. Nobody wants us. And, and, and they said, what are we going to do with all these Jews? They're in boats out in the ocean. What are we going to do? Send them back to Israel. So in 1948, the United Nations voted like the Bible prophesied. And one day, Israel became a nation again in one day. That's the greatest clue that God is about to be done with the Gentiles. That's the greatest clue that Jesus Christ is about to come back. 1948. Guys, we are in the end times. As God turns his attention back to the Jew and says, I'm coming. So in Revelation, Revelation chapter 7, when the 144,000 Jews are chosen by God. That tells you that Jews not, God's not done with the Jew. 144,000 are chosen by God. So so Jehovah's Witness, they don't believe in that, so they say, no, that's Jehovah's Witnesses. <laughs> that's not Jews, even though it gives you all 12 tribes. And, you, and when you run into a Jehovah's Witness, say, what tribe are you? They don't know what you're talking about. Dumb as a box of rocks. Dumb as a box of rocks. I'm telling you. Now, I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings if your aunt or uncle. My uncle was a Jehovah's Witness preacher, by the way. So I kick him just as hard as anybody else. They need Jesus Christ just like anybody else. But when somebody's teaching a damnable heresy, it's a damnable heresy. It needs to be preached against. Revelation chapter 17. Look at Revelation 17. Let's go to the fifth one. Revelation 17. Here's the fifth mystery. Revelation 17. Fifth mystery. Now, I just preached on this and taught on this not too long ago, so I'm not going to go real deep into it, but I'm going to show it to you. Revelation chapter 17, verse 3. So I've shown you the mystery of godliness, the mystery of Christ in you, the mystery of the body of Christ. I've shown you the mystery of the blindness of Israel. Now the fifth one is the mystery of Babylon the Great. This is in the book of Revelation. This is the Antichrist. This is the beast. This is his kingdom. And there's a woman that sits on that beast, on that Antichrist. Verse 3. So he, this is John speaking, talking about the spirit. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. John writes, And I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast, 
full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. If you study that out, that's the Antichrist. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. Verse 5, And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of saints and with the blood of martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. He couldn't believe what he was seeing. So the great mystery is the mystery of Babylon the Great. This clue, the clue to this, the clue to this is there's a woman that's riding a beast. She's got purple and scarlet color. She's got gold and precious stones. She's rich. She's, her colors are, are purple and red. Verse 4, she's uh, martyred Christians for centuries. Verse 6, blood of saints and the blood of martyrs. She's murdered Christians for centuries. She's rich. Her colors are purple and red. Verse 18, if you look at verse 18, it says this woman is a great city. And the woman which thou sawest is that great city which reigneth over the kings of the earth. And you go back to verse 9, it says about that city, This is the mind which hath wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. This is a city that sits on seven mountains. The clue to all of this is pretty easy to start solving. It's the Roman Catholic Church. That woman is representing the Roman Catholic Church. And I taught on that too long ago. You probably can find it on Facebook if you're really interested in that. We've got to move on. Look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. I'm, I'm shotgunning this because we're getting, I mean machine gunning this because we're getting close to time. And I promise you I try to get you out of here on time. 2 Thessalonians 2. This stuff's important though. This is an interesting one. This is the Antichrist. Let's go look at the Antichrist. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. The Antichrist. So we saw the mystery of the Babylon the Great. Let's look at the mystery of iniquity. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 2. This Antichrist is prophesied to come and start ruling over the whole world. He's going to put a mark on everybody that's left behind. And when he puts this mark of the beast, this number, it's going to be in your right hand or in your forehead. And he's going to control you through this mark. You won't be able to buy or to sell or anything at the grocery store or anywhere else if you don't have that mark in your right hand or in your forehand. And the Bible says, here's he that has wisdom. His number is the number 666. It's 666. That's his number. But here's the mystery of that iniquity. Verse 2. That you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word, neither by, nor by letter, as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. That, he's, that Christ has already come and gone. Verse 3, look at verse 3. Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day, the second coming of Jesus, shall not come except there come a falling away first. Do you feel like there's a falling away from Christianity? Yes. I'll answer for you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. There has been a great falling away. And that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. That would be the Antichrist. There's only two men in the Bible called the son of perdition. Judas and the Antichrist. That man of sin. Verse 4, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he, as God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. So this Antichrist, when he rises up, this man, this man of sin, he's going to rise up, he's going to say, worship me, I'm God. He's going to sit in the temple. Now, here's the problem. There's no temple. There's no temple in Jerusalem right now. It was destroyed 2,000 years ago. Here's the great spore you need to know. They're trying to rebuild the temple right now. 
They got all the stuff together. They got all the stuff they need to build it. They found the red heifer here in Texas. They've flown in over to Israel. They're ready for the temple. And it could take, in 24 hours, they could have that temple built up. In 24 hours. And when they get that temple rebuilt, and they're getting get ready to sacrifice, to, the Jew gets ready to sacrifice to God again like they used to do, that's when the Antichrist is going to step in and say, No, I'm God. Worship me. That's what you're reading right there. What's amazing is the clue is we're living in the end times, that temple, they're trying to rebuild that temple right now. Verse 5, remember you not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things? And now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. That Antichrist, verse 7, verse 7. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. That's that mystery of iniquity. He's already working. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. Now that letteth, you say that's an old English word. That means hinder. If you play tennis and you hit the tennis ball, if that ball, tennis ball hits that net, you're supposed to say let. In other words, hinder. Letteth, hinder. So it's hindereth. That letteth means hindereth. So let's read it again. Only he, the Antichrist, who now letteth, who's hindering, will hinder until he, the Antichrist, be taken out of the way. The prophecy is that the Antichrist is going to rise up in power and he's going to get a, he's going to get a deadly wound to his head by a sword. He's going to cut him just like this. And he's going to get a deadly wound. It's going to look like he dies or he might die. That's kind of, well, you can't, it's hard to tell. The scripture says he's going to look like he's dead. He's going to have a deadly wound and then he's going to resurrect. He's the only thing that's hindering from that hate taking place, the Antichrist. So the first clue of this is number 666. Look for the number 666. That's one of your clues. You know what's interesting about this? Let me, I'm going to say this and then we're going to move on to the last one. So in, back in the 60s, Dr. Ruckman, Peter S. Ruckman, wrote a book called The Number of the Beast. Excellent book. In that number of the beast book, he wrote the number of the beast is number 666. We know that. He says, he proselytes, at, this is in the 60s. He says the letter of the Antichrist is the letter X. And he goes through a whole teaching on the letter X. Hex, cur, all the, uh, Rex, all these letters that end with X. That, that he, he talks about the letter X is the Antichrist letter. So when Elon Musk took over Twitter, what's, what did he do with Twitter? He says, I don't want to call it Twitter anymore. I want to call it X. And he says, I'm all about free speech. Elon Musk right now has designed the ability to put a microchip in your brain to where you can control things with your brain. And he's saying it's very successful right now. Elon Musk has made a, made a robot that walks around just like a man. And he's showing it, and he's bragging about it. Look at this robot. He shows it on his ex on his Twitter. He says, look at this robot. It walks around just like a man. And in Revelation 13, it says that the Antichrist is going to build an image that looks just like him. And he says, worship that image. The clues are all around you, brothers and sisters. We're living in the end times. Let's look at the last one. Look at 1 Corinthians 15, and we're closing. Last mystery, 1 Corinthians 15. We're living in the end times. Jesus is coming soon. Are you ready? I'm ready. I've got a lot of my heart up in heaven right now. Not only Jesus Christ is up in heaven, and I can't wait to see Jesus Christ, but my mom's up in heaven. I've got lots of dear loved ones that are up in heaven. We were talking about Trevor Wright just this last weekend. I was talking about Trevor, and I can't wait to see Trevor again. He's up in heaven waiting on me. A lot of my heart's up in heaven. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm here to tell you that the last great mystery, mystery number seven, is the mystery of rapture. 
It's true. I believe it. I can't explain every bit of it, but it's true. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Look at verse 51. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Look at verse 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Amen. Some of us are going to be alive when Jesus Christ comes back to raptures. He comes back to the clouds, the Bible says in Thessalonians. He comes back to the clouds and he says, come up hither. And boom, we're going to come up. If you're alive, you'll be changed in a moment, a twinkling of an eye. If, you're, if your body's laying in a grave, your soul will come back with Jesus Christ. Your body will be resurrected and your soul will go back to be with that body. And it, that's why he says right there, we shall not all sleep. Some of us are not going to die, but we shall all be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye, so quick you can't measure it. At the last trump, whoop, for the trump shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. They'll never die again. And we shall be changed. That's the great mystery of the rapture. The mystery of that rapture is when is it going to happen? I'm not sure. There was one uh, Christian lady that we know in this church that said the rapture is taking place in April. So you know what she decided to do? She decided to run all her credit cards up to the max. That's a true story. <laughs> run them up, baby. Run them up. I don't know what's going to happen in May when the Lord don't come back. Maybe he will. Maybe he will come back and rapture's out here in April. You know what will happen then? She'll be laughing at me. <laughs> Think about this for a second. Why would you, if, if you really believe the Lord's coming back in a couple of months, why would you be spending your credit card on stuff that's going to get burned up? You're going to leave it all behind. You, you, you should be throwing those credit cards in the trash and getting out on the streets. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Get ready. Are you saved? I'm going to go run up all my credit cards. <laughs> that's the Christianity we live in today right there. It's a great mystery because we don't know what. What will happen? We kind of have an idea. We think about it. We meditate. What will happen when all the Christians are gone? What will the Antichrist say? How will he explain it? What would be his answer? How will he explain it? We all have, we have speculation, and I don't want to get into all the speculation. There's men, that, men smarter than me have come up with some great ideas. I don't know, but I'll tell you this as a clue about the rapture. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 11. God says, Paul says about God, he's going to send them a strong delusion. Talking about the lost, he says, I'm going to send them a strong delusion that they might believe a lie. God's going to deceive them. I don't know what that delusion is. They're going to believe something. I believe it has something to do with aliens and UFOs and stuff. I believe that's what it's going to be. I believe that's what it's going to be. There are seven great mysteries I've shown you. Mystery of godliness, God manifesting the flesh, the mystery of Christ in you, Christ is in you, mystery of the body of Christ, we're all part of that body of Christ, the mystery of the blindness of Israel, the mystery of the Babylon the Great, the mystery of iniquity, the Antichrist, and finally the mystery of the rapture. Are you ready for the Lord to come back? I really believe the Lord's coming back. I'm going to ask you as we give this invitation, we're about to close. Have you took Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? I don't know why you haven't. I can only beg and plead with you you would make the right decision and take Jesus Christ. Because I can't promise you tomorrow. We have a young man that was 18 years old when he took his last breath. He was in this church. We have a young man that almost got electrocuted last, yesterday. Was doing what he always does. Just doing his job like he always does. And zoop! 
Next thing you know, he's in a hospital. I know a man there in Comanche that was cleaning out his, he had an above ground pool. He was cleaning out his above ground pool with a vacuum cleaner. And my friend had witnessed to him and he said, I don't need Jesus Christ. I'll take Jesus Christ when I get older. He didn't want to have anything to do with Jesus Christ. He was in his vacuum. He's vacuuming out the, the above ground pool. And he said that they said, his family said he, he jerked on the cord. And when he did, he looked and that, that vacuum cleaner fell in the pool. That's the last time he took a breath right there. Killed him. Woke up looking at God. If you need Jesus Christ, come on down and take it.